Welcome to the People First Leaders Podcast. My name is Doug Utberg, Marine Corps veteran, founder CEO of ExpenseReviews.com, and I have absolutely nothing to sell you. The purpose of this commercial-free show is to honor the leaders who approach life as go-givers by putting their people and customer value first. Stick around until the end of the show, and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in about 20 minutes. Let's go. We have Sean Fahey with us today, and we're going to be talking about removing bias from the interview process. And at least I feel that this is a really important topic because many people are not nearly as aware as they probably should be about how prevalent biases are and can be. But anyway, I don't want to hijack the conversation. Sean, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, so my name is Sean Fahey. I'm the CEO of a company called VidCruiter. We sell all sorts of recruitment products to help organizations with every aspect of recruiting. So whether it's someone applying to a job, advertising, all the way to hiring and onboarding, uh, those are all the different kinds of solutions that we offer here today. Got it. And so removing bias or being aware that bias exists is sort of step one in just any recruiting process. It's a lot more prevalent in today's discussion, but it's always been part of just general good practice is how do you remove a bias that you may or may not have from a recruitment process when hiring people? And not only is it good practice, it also can get you out of trouble, right? If you, if you start asking questions you're not supposed to, it's actually illegal. Most jurisdictions around the world. So that's the first thing that you want to think about when you're looking at this topic. It's let's make sure we're following the rules, you know? Yes, exactly. And the way that I look at it is a little different from, I would say, the mainstream way of looking at it, but it gets you to the same place. I think the mainstream way, I would say, of looking at bias is to say that, okay, bias is fundamentally unfair, so it needs to be stamped out. The way that I look at it is that if you have a biased process, that means you will be stepping over people who can create more value for your company in favor of people who conform to your biases that will create less value. It's a different way of saying the same thing, but I think it puts a little more of a market economics spin on it as opposed to a social justice. Not that either is good or bad, but I think that it's sometimes important to look at things from multiple angles. You got it. It's been proven by Harvard and multiple studies that uh, you'll get better outcomes with different people on the table that think different. Yeah, exactly. Because you could just start questioning, like, well, have you think about all these other angles, you know, that you may not have thought of, right? Precisely, precisely. And going down the bias rabbit hole a little bit, the thing that I've found that's probably most insidious about biases isn't that they exist, because they do. People are becoming increasingly aware of them with an asterisk. And the asterisk is that as people get smarter, they tend to feel that they are less subject to bias or that they are more able to self-mitigate their biases, and the numbers show that that's not the case. And so I would say that the primary thing you have to worry about with bias is thinking that you don't have it. Exactly. Yeah, everyone has some kind of bias at some point. It's impossible to remove bias. Yeah. So the way in which you do is you mitigate against it. And the number one way to do that is what's called a structured interview. Mm-hmm. So the easiest way to remove bias, just generally speaking, is treat everyone identically. We're all asked the same questions. We're all evaluated under the same standards. We all had the same interview. It was all done in a 
similar way with the same panelists. You know, everyone sort of went through a similar identical process. And that's called a structured interview, which I have back here. When you get outside of that, where, well, I asked you this, and then I thought of this, and then I had a gut feeling about asking you this, and you're shifting the conversation into a way in which you kind of want it to play it. So that's really the step one in sort of removing bias is just treating everyone the same way identically, asking them the same questions identically, and having a scorecard or a rating system that ensures that everyone is evaluated identically as well. That makes sense. We've built a plugin to ChatGPT to get interview questions. So you could get all your questions sort of automatically plugged into the system. We've also had IO psychologists review them so that you make sure that you're not asking a question you're not supposed to, you know, like you don't have to ask about age, race, uh, gender, these kinds of things. And, uh, but there's nuances to those questions, right? Well, what if I didn't know that asking it this way was sort of throwing out a bias or a discrimination in the question the way I was asked? When you were saying that, I was just thinking, I go, well, yeah, but there's sneaky ways you can get to that. Because if you say, what's your favorite band? And someone goes, Queen, be like, uh-huh, all right. Right. Well, well of what? course, with that said, you know, my daughter's 16 and she loves classic rock. So I'm <laughs> obviously full of it. Or what neighborhood do you live in? Could assume my socioeconomy, like how much do I yeah. make or this kind of stuff. So you can't even ask like where you grew up, where you're from. Yeah. The thing about a structured interview, it comes off weird, right? So sometimes someone will- But it uh, does. Yeah. You know, you kind of may have a pre-screen interview that sort of says like, or a pre-screen discussion with a recruiter that doesn't make an opinion about the process and can't sway the process, but just tells you this is how it's going to happen. Or even better, if you have a video that presents our interviews are done in this manner. Everyone's treated the same way. We want everyone to have a fair shot at this job. We want the best candidate to come through. And what happens when everyone's treated the same way and you have these rating scales that are sort of structured? Yeah. It's proven, and it has been proven multiple times through multiple studies, that you're going to hire the best person because you don't have this bias that sort of creeps into the process. Well, and I'm interested to get your thoughts because I'm a finance and statistics nerd. So what I would think is that I don't know that you could say you'll hire the right person every time because that's impossible, but you don't have to improve your batting average all that much to make a really meaningful difference. You got it. So most statistics under a unstructured interview will say that you'll be right. It varies, but between 10 and 20% of the time. That's not very good. It's not very good. Now, you may keep that person on your team, you know, that, you know, what you decide to do with an employee that's not good, but it's not a good batting average. With a structured interview process, your interview process will go from 50, 60, 70, 80% of the time having the proper, what they call predictive validity is that that person is actually a great candidate to work in your organization. Mm -hmm. The best way to do that is having up to three, in some cases, four or five rounds of interviewing, depending on the seniority level, with different questions that have different, you know, competency, behavior, structure, skill set components to them, and then analyzing those questions with a proper evaluation grid. You can plug that in the chat GPT, it'll give it to you. It's so cool. We do it in our products too, but it's like, what am I looking for as a good answer? That's another thing that people don't think of, right? It's like, okay, well, what's, I'm going to do an interview that sounded like a great answer. And then the next person comes in and, oh, that sounded like a better answer. It's like, well, you're just sort of guessing, right? It's not, so if you have a framework, which a lot of our clients do and we can help with, it's like, here's six points you should look for in a customer service response. Do they get mm -hmm. these six points? And then, oh yeah, they said they followed up with the client. They were polite with the client. 
They check with management to make sure that client was happy. The next day, they double check to make sure that that was solved. The next layer of that is that they go find out what made the client complain in the first place and fix that so that no other client complains next time. That's an example of a structured scale that sort of gives you a range of how to know how good of an answer that was. I was actually just thinking, hey, you get someone whose customer service shows that level of self-initiative, they won't be in customer service long. They'll, they'll be in management really quickly. <laughs> you got it. But this is an example of one interview question and one example of a rating scale that having it, my fingertips, you know, we do digital scales, which we do video scales. We have it built into our video conferencing product, all of our products. It's just having that at your fingertips because some people interview once a year. Right, I'm an iron manager. I sit on a panel once a year. I don't know how to interview that much. I just, this person sounds, you know, like they're good. And, oh, the next person sounded good. Oh, yeah, he's from my school. And, uh, you know, we know a mutual friend of ours, you know, but you're getting to that gray area. You know, that's kind of what you want to stick out of. So that's kind of the idea with the product and the idea of just better interviewing is structuring it and having a rating guide to tell you what to look for, you know. I don't want to take our conversation off topic, but we can go down the tangent if you feel like it's value added. But an idea you just sparked was that the interview process, of course, is very important, but it's also the way that you source candidates is very important too. Because for example, when I worked at Intel, one of the things I noticed in finance in particular was that a lot of the schools we recruited from were places where we had senior executives who were alumni. Not that, And they were all very good schools, but why those very good schools? Why not any of the other hundreds of very good schools that are all closer to the places where these candidates are going to be working? Because people, a lot of times they'd interview, they'd relocate to start a job. And then five, 10 years later, they'd move back to where they were originally from because they were getting married, starting a family, and they wanted to be closer to their parents. You got it. I mean, yeah, the choice of school, the way in which you evaluate those people, the way in which you attract candidates, your job description and how it's written to make sure that it doesn't have components that favor certain kinds of people. There's a whole industry of different standards of sets of things that you could Google or we could help with, you know, in terms of making sure that you have the right tools at your fingertips so that you're making good educated decisions. And these are all, you know, we were talking about biases at the beginning, like unconsciously, uh -huh. you don't realize that this has been happening to your organization's detriment. Like it's, so, you know, we sell structured interviews, which is proven since the seventies to be the best way. Google tried to prove the model against that it wasn't. I don't know if you remember, they used to have the, how many golf balls fit a school bus kind of question. I remember reading those. I remember at the time I was like, what does this prove? Well, yeah, just, it, they ended up <laughs> showing that the hiring managers felt cool asking cool interview questions. But it didn't prove anything because you weren't doing a competency, you know, behavioral-based interview guide. And they ended up proving that structured interviews was the best way to interview. Uh -huh. And they went back to what everyone else was already had proven scientifically. There was another research paper, like I think it was a year ago, 2021 or 2022, and they tried to disprove it again. And they, they structured interviews won again as the number one way. Not better than psychometric testing, better than skill testing, better than reference checking, everything else. Nothing else is better than a proper interview that's done the right way. You know, you may have more than one, multiple panelists, but everyone's asked the same questions under the same circumstances with the same. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And I like the idea of having the attributes in the rating scales too, because 
again, it's going to make it more likely that you'll get consistent ratings. You got it. Yeah. And then if you have big pools of candidates, which you would have had with this intern situation, yeah, using a tool like ours where we have like asynchronous video interviewing, mm -hmm. uh, also called pre-rec or on-demand, where people just record at home, the benefit there is the hiring manager can sit down and then just what we have is a stacked ranking per question. Mm -hmm. So I could just see everyone's answer to question one. And a lot of our clients will ask a kickout or knockout question that's like super obvious whether you're qualified or not. You know, here's a formula in Excel, explain how it works, this kind of stuff. So it's like a yes or no rating scale. Uh -huh. And you could go from 500 candidates to, you know, 100 in two hours. But everyone was still structured. It was still fair. Everyone asked the same question. You couldn't probe. It was still under this sort of proper interview methodology. So that's the idea around the technology is to make sure that you have the right people evaluating. Then we also have some AI components that you could turn on with the evaluation if you want to. That depends on, you know, again, different laws in different states right now that are pushing back on AI. But all of these things can fall into place to help organizations recruit better, smarter, and better quality. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like the idea of that kickout question because... Of course, the difficult thing when you're, if you, especially if you have to go through a significant number of hires or a significant number of candidates, is that even if you're asynchronous, fully reviewing everybody's responses is very time consuming. Yeah. So if you can just do a couple of kickout questions to get your population down from, say, 500 to 100 or 50, that will dramatically increase your return on time. You got it. And you got to look at more people. More candidates got a chance to apply to the job. More candidates got a chance to interview. If you look at the opposite, we're not going to do 500 phone screens. I'm not going to do yeah. that. So sometimes candidates push back and say, oh, you know, I wish I could have talked to someone. Well, you wouldn't have gotten the interview. You know, like they're not going to open the pool that big. So this gives more people a chance. And if you are really good and to the point that you were talking about from a different school that didn't have this proper, you know, it's another kind of bias of the school that I looked at. You get a chance. I mean, we hire just ourselves, yes. just our own company, have hired a lot of people that many organizations never even interviewed. And I was like, how are you still looking for a job? Like, what's going on? They were like, oh, no one interviewed. You were the first company to interview. That was literally one of the things I was thinking when I was mentioning that is that in a lot of cases, right, the places where nobody else looks, that's where you'll find the diamond in the rough. Right. You because it's like, you know, the MBA graduate who came out of Michigan or Wharton, pretty good chance that they got a lot of people talking to them. There's probably some other people who are really clever that might have been from a school that doesn't have as popular a football program and, you know, and doesn't have as much name recognition. If you don't talk to these people, you'll never find them. I mean, the idea is that, you know, everyone gets a chance. Doesn't matter where you're from. Everyone gets a chance. They all get the same chance. They all get the same. It's full inclusion of everyone, right? So, and at that point, it's based on skills. Are you better qualified? Are you more qualified than the job than the next person? And that's who wins. And that's who you want on your team, you know? So it just makes sense. When you start understanding the, the framework that we have, it's, we call it interviewing framework to help make sure that organizations have the right people, the right interview, the right design of the interview, the right interview process, the right questions, the right people on the panels. Mm -hmm. They're scheduled at the right time, just the whole ecosystem of your interviewing, and then we automate all of it, right? That's kind of the goal, so. Oh, that's excellent. Well, and I feel like this is really probably where a lot of things are gonna be going in the future. Number one, because everybody's headcount constrained now. 
But then number two, because there's so much more attention that's being brought to the importance of being objective with interview processes because of, again, depending on your perspective, of fairness on the one side or meritocracy on the other, which are really just two different sides of the same coin. You got it. Yeah. And so we're happy you know, to be part of this ecosystem to help move that needle forward to make sure that people are compliant in their interview process. It's another sort of term that we use in-house here, interview compliance. Whether it's compliance or uh, better quality or faster hiring or, you know, structured process or less bias, all of those things win. You're right. It's, you know, I don't know how many sides my coin has now, but I, it's faster, better, and cost effective. So that's kind of our business model. Just thinking, yeah, it's going to look like a 20-sided Dungeons and Dragons. Right? <laughs> I was taking a long shot. I thought you might have been a grown-up nerdy yourself. Uh-huh. I'm not familiar with that game, but I've heard a lot about it. So. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's see. Let me just kind of probe a little deeper. Let me ask, do you feel like there's a question I should have asked but didn't? Around the interviewing process, you know, a lot of people ask about AI, like how is that playing into this? And there's three states that have now put laws that pain or make it a lot harder for automated decision-making processes to happen. The technology is good, but it has its own biases. And so when you look at, well, what's less bias, you know, they always compare the AI or AI people say, well, AI is less biased than this one human reader that we had. Okay. Well, what if you had a panel of readers reading in a structured interview format under these sort of guided circumstances that is kickout questions, then properly maybe AI and humans analyze the candidates together. That's the sort of gray area of the market. I mean, you really got to look into that before you buy those tools. We've put the brakes a little bit on AI. We're doing some stuff with it, but just at the right level, there's like a, you know, if you go too far in, you get in trouble, then, you you know, some people, you know, it's kind of like a, that's sort of a hot topic in our market right now in the interview market that a lot of people are talking about. Well, just appending on that, because I would think if you say, you if you're plugging to OpenAI or ChatGPT for things like, interview questions, interview criteria, you know, so go to GPT-4 and you say, I'm looking to recruit for a site reliability engineer, and I'm looking to do it with gender and ethnicity neutral questions. Okay. You know, criteria, that's pretty cut and dry. You try to get open AI to say, okay, I want you to help me evaluate the candidates. I think that's where you drive the car into the gray area really fast. You got it. Exactly. And we've seen examples of that on Twitter, people showing examples where it has its own biases. And so, and check it, it has to be programmed by somebody. Right. It's programmed by somebody. An algorithm just repeatedly applies logic. Whatever that logic is that it's uh, repeatedly applying, if there's any bias in it at all, it will be a biased process that gets repeated an infinite amount of times. You got it. Exactly. So, and, you know, what political party was the programmer on? You know, like, yeah. So you can't really rely on that yet until it gets to a point where it's a little bit smarter. And when will that happen? It's hard to tell. You know? Yeah. So, you know, from an HR practitioner's point of view, you don't want to be in the first, you know, the driver's seat of the newest technology in your organization. You sort of want to be sort of in the third seat, you know, like, let's yeah. wait and see how that does. But the cars aren't fully self-driving yet. So when uh, ChatGPT would analyze the question set, 
I've played with it a little bit. It said, okay, give me an interview question. And then it gave me an interview question. And I said, okay, which ones of these have bias? And it said, this question could have bias, right? And then I asked it again in a different way and a different question had bias. You know, it didn't even pick up that itself had a bias. So it, it's just not there yet, really. And the argument that humans have bias as well, yeah, maybe we do. But at least if you structure everything and do it the right way, you've dramatically mitigated that. Mm -hmm. And if you organize your interview in a way that you have easy questions for evaluation that a human can do, like one of the things we do is we'll have a video that you watch of a scenario that you're going to be doing at work. And then you have to explain what you would have done in that scenario or what you will do as soon as the video cuts off. Yeah. And it's just easy to know, do they know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. It just makes it easier. So it's about having the right question for the right person at the right time and the right structure. But yeah, there's no magic bullet. You need multiple people helping and evaluating people so that you can protect yourself against the bias that they had, right? That's kind yeah. of Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, Sean, last question for me is, do you have any questions for me? Because I've been asking all the questions of you. I like to let the guests return the favor. What happens if I click the red or blue button on the background? Yeah, so the, what happens is this is actually a light switch. So the red oh, button turns off the light and the blue button turns it on. So Because uh, I grew up with the arcades that had the, the buttons that you had to push over and over and over again. You know, games like Street Fighter 2 and stuff like that. So yeah, basically it's just an overlay that you get from Amazon for about 10 bucks and you put it on the light switch and it makes it like uh, an arcade game. Cool. And, I want, you know, asking about the red button is like the classic... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what happens That's like a red button? Wait, red right? button. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sean, great conversation today. Give out your website and let everybody know where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so company I own is called VidCruiter, vidcruiter.com. You can also read about our interview compliance at interviewcompliance.org. Uh, we're writing new policy and mandates to help organizations that really want to focus on compliance. And I appreciate your time today, Doug. It's been great. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for listening to the People First Leaders podcast. If you are a successful People First founder or CEO who would like to be on this show, please visit peoplefirstleaders.net forward slash guest. If this interview resonated, would you please share it on social media? Just take a quick screenshot on your phone and post it on your favorite social channel. Then make sure to tag me at Doug Value so I can give you and your business a shout out on a future episode. If you know somebody who'd be a great guest, please tag them on social and include the hashtag PeopleFirstLeaders. I really love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're releasing new content and episodes all the time, so make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me personally. And also, I would like to connect with you on social. My handle is at Doug Value, or you can just go to peoplefirstleaders.net where all of the links are posted. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.